the Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. Welcome back, everybody, to the second episode of the Philly Fundamental Show. I'm your co I'm your host, Philly Bruno, and joining alongside me today is my friend Brett Gallagher coming straight from Sea Isle, New Jersey. And Brett has the honor of being the first ever uh, guest on this show. So welcome, Brett. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be the uh, first guest member. Oh, yeah. Well, we are happy to have you again. Um, and you know, I picked you because I thought you were the most reasonable Sixers fan out of all my friends. I think you are a little bit more level-headed when it comes to this, but you're still very knowledgeable. So that's why I thought you were a great person to have on this show because we still got to talk some Sixers and what to do with them. Yes, thank you, thank you. I feel like I'm not very over-the-top reactionary uh, with my takes. Uh, try to keep them mild, you know, try to try to be a little more relaxed than some of other people with their reactions, especially Game 7. Uh, for me, Game 7, I I watched it later than everybody else. I was at work and I recorded it, and it was tough sitting there at 1 a.m., just absolutely blank face. I wasn't even angry. I was just kind of amazed that they lost that game yeah so mark john and alex landis and i we were at the game and it was tough it was it was rough i've shared my thoughts already but do you have any specific thoughts that you wanted to share because i'm i'm sure you were thinking things during the game but now that you've had a, a week or so to digest everything yeah, so Game 7 specifically, I, like I said, I watched it with, like, just recorded later at night, so didn't know what happened, went into a blind. My main, the main thing my dad said, the only thing I knew going into the game, my dad said, I don't think the game was refed particularly well in either direction, which as I watched the game, I thought that was very correct. I'm not saying that is why the Sixers lost. I just think the refereeing was not very good. And then my main takeaway from the game was that Simmons, obviously, I, we'll talk about him later. But the other thing was, it just it just didn't feel like their night when I was watching it the whole the whole time. I didn't have a good feeling about it. Just everything Tobias Harris was doing, he was making the right place and not getting not getting the basket. Like he was just rolling out. You could just tell it wasn't their night, and it was a bad feeling from from the beginning of the game from them. It just didn't feel right, and I wasn't surprised they lost. And it, it was it was just tough. So I, I was surprised they lost. I don't think I would have agreed to go to the game if I would have thought that there was a chance that they would have. I mean, I knew there was a chance, but I thought game seven, Philadelphia, crowd was buzzing, that they would be able to pull it out. And I'm not, I said this on my other episode, I don't think this is the reason why they lost. I'm not using this as an excuse in any reason. But now, and granted, I've only really watched Sixers series in its entirety. But that was the worst officiating I've ever seen in, throughout a series in a playoff basketball setting. It was just horrendous. And it, like you said, it went both ways for some, but especially like some of the calls that Trey Young got, I thought were just completely unreasonable. 
Yeah, I, a lot of Trey Young calls. It's it's a tough situation. I'm sure, I hope they fix it next year. They have some rules in place. It just bothers me with his abrupt stops. It's probably the worst one for me when he's not even trying to score and he just stops and jumps one direction into the defender. And also when he comes off a pick, it's he he doesn't even try to like a lot of times he doesn't try to do anything. He'll just look for a foul off of the screen. And it's I hate when they give him that because it really doesn't even affect the play. You know, it's like you can just let it be a no call and just let it go. But I like I also when you were saying you did think they were going to win going into the game, I would have I would have picked the Sixers to win that easily. But as the game went on, I was not feeling good about it. Like through the second quarter where they didn't have a, a – like I expected them to have a big lead off the jump, you know, being at home, come out firing, and they they did not. And then that was when I was like, they're going to be in trouble if this is a close game because I didn't have confidence in them catching fire later or anything, you know. Oh, no. It we didn't seem like their night. We can't win close games. I think that's kind of clear. I don't think Embiid is really a closer. Tobias, like you were saying, Tobias gets to the spots and he fell up short again. He was eight for 24, I believe, that night, which just won't cut it. And last year, he kind of failed to produce later in games, too. And you, you know, Ben's not trying to score at any point in the game, let alone in the fourth quarter. So it was really tough to try and get someone to go score a basket late. But so this, the big re- question after this this Sixers season is what to do with Ben Simmons. So what do you think the approach should be with Simmons and how to deal with him? So for me, I I've never been a Ben Simmons hater. I've I'd say a lean towards being a fan. I'm not a huge Ben Simmons guy. I think at this point you still have to keep him because I don't think they're going to get anything better than Ben Simmons in a trade back they don't have any they're not going to sign a free agent that's going to replace him as a second star i think you just have to keep him if like a dame lillard trade i don't think that's going to happen uh cj mccollum would be way more likely and i also would not want that i'd prefer to just keep simmons and i think it's just a mental thing because i i went back and watched his rookie highlights you know when he came into the league and his first highlight in the summer league is him shooting a jump shot. And he doesn't even need to be good at shooting jump shots. He just needs to shoot them, just shoot them 40% from the elbow, just anywhere. And it's just really all mental at this point. And I feel like you kind of don't have anywhere to go other than Ben Simmons. So you might as well try to fix him over the next few years you're kind of locked up with your cap space. He's not really a trade asset right now for a lot of teams. So I think you just have to keep him. So see, I'm at the point, and I've been a Ben Simmons supporter um, because I was saying he does everything else besides scoring the basketball at an elite level. But I really don't want to see him in a Sixers uniform ever again based on his refusal to shoot. At all, And to me, the defining moment was refusing to dunk on that wide open play. But I also don't want to trade him for pennies because I don't want to make the team worse. So I don't know if there's really a situation out there that we could become a better team than just if we just keep them. Now, I've seen some things thrown out there, like Russell Westbrook in a first rounder for Ben. Would you say yes or no? That one... 
I feel like that's even just a lateral move there because you're you're still getting a guy who can't shoot very well. It doesn't he doesn't match well with Embiid at all. And you might you might as well see if you can because Simmons I feel like it's mental. I we've seen that he can be a star in the league just from his rookie year, his last few years in the league, and he's regressed. So for me, I would just say. Ben, take a month off, forget about basketball, break your bad habits, come back, and we'll see where we can go from there. I, I don't feel like a Russell Westbrook trade would – it's just basically Ben Simmons but older. And obviously he's more willing to take a jump shot, but is that what would he's, help him be? He's Ben Simmons. That's a little bit of worse of a defender, but just with an aggressive mindset. And like, like you said, you saw Ben Simmons' jump shot clips – it's like when Ben decides to be aggressive, he can do whatever he wants on the basketball court almost. Like when Embiid was out for that stretch and Ben decided he wanted to score, like he dropped 42 on the defensive player of the year. So like he's got it in him a little bit. You see some sort of spurts, but I, it's definitely completely mental. But also I don't know if being in Philadelphia is good for him if it's all mental because he seems like someone who is just – afraid to fail in front of our crowd and it seems like the philly fans and all the negativity would absolutely get to him yeah i would agree with i think a fresh start for him would be beneficial um i for him there's a rumored minnesota trade i don't know if he would want to i for there he would play with cat who i know he's friends with but i feel like it's got to be the people around him with his family maybe he just he has shooting coaches, his brother. I feel like it's, he's got a lot of issues that we don't know about behind the scenes. I feel like a fresh start would be good for him. But if you're the Sixers, I don't think you can actually give him a fresh start just to help him out because it's not going to help you as a team. Right. So I saw something that Rich Paul told the Sixers that Ben Simmons wants some say in where he goes if he's going to get traded. I mean, I feel like Ben Simmons has no leverage in this right now like we he shouldn't get any say if we do decide to trade him but you said minnesota like what would minnesota have to give us to make it worth it for us because i don't know if there's a package i yeah there's i assume there's no way to give up anthony edwards and that's pretty much the only thing that would make the sixers want to trade ben simmons like cat they're obviously not trading him uh, Malik Beasley would be a good target, but he's currently in jail, so that's a little tough one. Uh, it's I don't really see any fair trades for Ben Simmons because it's he's at his lowest value, but when he when he's at his highest, it could be something remarkable. Like you have a All Star and like Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and it just doesn't feel like there's a, going to be a fair trade that you can get out there. Right. But also, like, I feel like Embiid is kind of done with Ben Simmons. In a way, I would almost be willing to make our team a little slightly worse just to kind of get him out of there. I don't know if that's the right mindset or not. Like, right, because I feel like also if I sat on it for a little bit, I could maybe be a little bit more reasonable. But a great example I have, I saw this poll on Twitter. The Fanatic asked it, and I was in the minority I said yes to this deal. And I actually sat there for a minute and thought about it. And I do think it would make our team worse 
but I also think it might be the best we could get if we decided to trade for him. It said, would you trade Ben Simmons to the Cavs for Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, and a top 10 protected first round pick? I actually, out of all the rumored deals, I feel like that one would be definitely something to look at. I, Sexton obviously would be a defensive downgrade, but he is by far an offensive upgrade and would probably pair way better with Embiid on the offensive end. And the other thing is the Sixers can't afford to lose Ben's defense, which is not a full board. You can't really afford to lose defensive player of the year type defense, but they still have good defenders with Embiid and assuming they like if they re-signed Danny Green or whatever they can at least it's not like he's their only good defender but I think that trade would be something to look at because um, it's it would upgrade you immediately offensively with a pairing that fits with Embiid and he's played his whole life without a correct offensive pairing you know like kind of like what you're saying like Sometimes it is addition by subtraction. If you get rid of Simmons, Embiid might play better. Everybody else might play better around them. So I could I could see that an addition, addition by subtraction kind of trade. So I was I said yes. It improves the Sixers, which I kind of like. I only agree with half that statement. Like I don't know if it would improve our team as much, but I would kind of still do it. Maybe because the, what we have built hasn't worked out yet. Um, 33% of the people said yes, and 67% of the people said no to that deal. Which I don't know whether or not to be surprised at that or not, because I feel like a lot of people want Ben gone, but a lot of people are also still just defending Ben and going down with him. I kind of yeah. flipped, because I, I was defending Ben until these playoffs. Yeah, I... I've, a lot of people also probably don't watch many Cavs games to see if Sexton is good or not. And uh, Kevin Love's been on the downswing. I feel like Kevin Love could also use a change he, of scenario. He could still have something left in the see, tank if he comes to I think Kevin Love is a very good NBA player when healthy still. He's someone who can give you 15 and 10, I feel like, if he plays re- regular minutes, which he probably wouldn't with the Sixers. He'd probably play like 20, 25 minutes a game. I feel like because they still want Tobias at the four. But Kevin Love can still give you a double-double, I feel like, in that amount of time if they, if he's healthy. Yeah, he's another guy that would definitely benefit from a change of scenario, especially in Philly. I mean, if he has MB to take away defensive struggles and you can kind of – or use him as a bench role, have him just come in and score and be a star of a bench unit. Uh, I think that would be a very interesting trade, actually. Besides any Damian Lillard thing that I've seen, this is what I like the most, I think, because I don't want a CJ McCollum trade. I just don't think that would work for us. No, I think that's not really a – I doubt they even really take that as a serious option. I mean, McCollum's a good player. It's been shown that he hasn't had what it takes in the playoffs with another star. I mean, he probably pairs better with him than Dame. But I, I'm not really sold on him as your second star, especially if you're giving up Simmons for him. Right. I, I found it funny, though. I've been seeing on Twitter. He, like, says what NBA players should be doing in each game. He's kind of, like, live-tweeting it. And people were responding to him saying, this man gets bounced in the first round every single year and then just tries to tell us what people should be doing, and yet he doesn't follow his own advice. 
yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's probably going to have a career as an analyst afterward. And he's a smart guy, but he, he has shown he's not great in the playoffs and he's also like, he's an undersized guard and you already kind of have that with Seth on your, as your, if Seth's playing with McCollum at any point, that's already two mismatches on the court. And right. then you have, your your bench is like Maxi, who's also an undersized. You can't have that many undersized guards on your team, and expect to not get just abused defensively because that's a mismatch pretty much every time. Oh yeah, I agree. And you saw that in our series. I mean, Seth got completely killed by Kevin Herter. This and that's it was a bat bucket every single time. Kind of no fault to Seth. It was just because he was so undersized compared with yeah, Herter. Seth really played like all right defense. I mean, he was there, but when somebody's six, seven, and you're not, they're going to score on you more times than not. Yep. Um, So while I'm on their Twitter page right now, the fanatic also had another poll. um, And I can totally believe this was 92% to 8%. Um, Is it the job of the media to be positive about sports teams and players? Yes. Lift them up or no, we want honesty. I, I feel like you got to have a mix of both, but you should be honest more than anything. You shouldn't be like building players up. I feel like that's, that's more in your teammates and your coaching staff to build you up and you can let the media don't even, I, if I were Ben Simmons, I don't think I'd even listen to the media, but you know, he probably does. You know, he probably does does affect them. Ben's a guy who is definitely concerned about his image in my mind. I don't know if you saw this, but I did it today was the first time I saw it actually. He just bought a $17 million home out in LA, which is yeah, interesting considering like he's a, you can he's only be in LA a couple months of the year at most if you're a 76ers player. Yeah, I, he seems like he does want to live a celebrity life, which, which interesting to me is he could achieve his like celebrity and fame status more if he was a better player. Like if he cared less about off the court, it, and more on court, it would be better success off the court as well. Because then nobody would complain about it. I would be talking praise for him and everything. And it's it's just weird to me that he kind of shuts down from negative talk instead of just going out there and proving people wrong. Yep. And have you noticed that he has regressed ever since he dated Kendall Jenner? Yeah. <laughs> they have a curse around them but I it's just if he had the same mindset as Giannis where like Giannis will go out there and airball five foul shots and not care he'll take it I'm going to go dunk on someone next play because I'm tired of people sit talking negative stuff about me and Ben is like oh I'm not going to do anything about that and he just kind of just kind of shuts down almost if he had Giannis's mentality even he would also be closer to Giannis in terms of like skill and stuff but I the Sixers would easily have won the championship this year if he just went out there with a I don't care attitude and just played basketball right and it's honestly like insane to think about how easy our path to winning a championship was I mean the Hawks that should have been a win I know they very well could be in the finals but then like all we would have been playing the Bucks we beat the Hawks and Giannis just got hurt out of the West, Kawhi's hurt. LeBron and the Lakers lost first round. 
Like, I mean, it just is as easy as it could possibly be compared to any other year, I feel like. Yeah, it, it really was the easiest. And it also, what also hurt is that if they had pulled the trigger on a Kyle Lowry trade, it would, it, obviously they didn't know this going in that the Nets would be out of it and everything, but that would have also pretty much guaranteed championship, I feel, because you could easily have Lowry step in and cover the deficiencies of Simmons in the playoffs. That, that is true. I, didn't even, I haven't even thought about that. I'm not a Kyle Lowry guy. I, I actually really dislike him. I think. Well, I mean, that's a St. Joe's guy. Kind of obliged not to like a Villanova guy. It's not even really because of that. Big, new, big St. Joe's news today, though. Really big St. Joe's news. Jordan, Jordan Hall, who declared for the NBA draft but did not sign with an agent, he has um, taken his name out of consideration and will no longer be transferring to Texas A&M. He is returning to St. Joe's. So the Hawks are looking kind of good in the A-10 now for this year. Finally, we have some hope for my first time <laughs> since I've been at school. So, yeah, just a little little sidebar there. Watch out for the St. Joe's Hawks. I looked to bet on them today, although they did not have odds up on DraftKings or FanDuel for who, someone to win the Atlantic 10. Uh, you'll probably see it as you get closer and closer to the season, maybe. I, don't, I mean, I, I doubt A-10 basketball is a hot topic for betting. Oh, I don't know about that. Season. Well, this far out in the season, this far out in the season. I mean, we're still not going to be anywhere close to being the favorites, I don't think. I think some people will sleep on us, though. Also, little uh, Lenape basketball news today. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Derek Simpson got an offer from Rutgers today. Oh, yeah, that's nice. I, I saw a few highlights of him. And I saw him in the, the one DeWan Wagner tape where he's like the number one recruiter. And it was against Lenape. And all the comments saying, who's this kid on Lenape? Because he looks really good. I'm, I, yeah, I was trying to look up his, his offers and stuff. But that's, that's nice that he got Rutgers in, offers. In my opinion, so far, out of the offers that he had before today, St. Joe's was the best basketball offer. Um, he had like five or so, I believe. But academically, he had some good schools like William & Mary and Northeastern. Um, but Rutgers is probably definitely the best, you know, basketball school that's he's been offered so far. So I know uh, John's pretty happy about it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool yeah. if he went to Rutgers. So another thing on Ben. So I've also seen some rumors with him to the Warriors. Uh, I know Stephen A. said that on first take. You know, because it's ESPN and first take, I don't really know how much to believe that, but. Again, I don't know what package the Warriors would give us that I would really want for Ben Simmons because I just do not want Andrew Wiggins on my team. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it would have to include Wiggins just from a salary perspective. And then from there, they have – I mean, Wiseman wouldn't be very helpful for us, nor do I think they would really want to part ways with him this early. And they have, what, the seventh overall pick in the draft? Yeah, but Which, the seventh overall in Wiggins would not be good enough, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this is this draft feels like it's heavily skewed towards the top four, and after that, it's kind of uh, see what happens. And I don't think there'd be a guy at seven that you'd be like, I am happy to have him in his first year and be on a contending team. You know, like not many guys are going to get a seven or like built for a contender. Right. Yeah, I agree. So I would just kind of totally dismiss that because, I mean, also, I don't know if you'd be thrown in here and 
I don't know if Sean was serious or not about wanting this or not, but Kelly Oubre. He's I don't Oubre, like I've I wouldn't I've even care. Oubre enough to not really think he's a great player to he's he's very high and cold. He's good in a certain system and he I know I don't know if the Sixers would use him very well. Different Sean, but I know your friend Sean from school's a big Oubre guy. Yes, well, he's he's just a big Warriors homer, so he's gonna love anybody on the Warriors. Yeah, I tried to tell him that Ubre wasn't that good, and he was arguing with me. I mean, he had a horrible start to the year, so that definitely hurt his his uh, perception around the league. But he's also just an absolute black hole on offense, from what I've seen from him. It's his vision is maybe one of like it's bottom ten in the NBA. It's it's either going up or it's just going to stop for at least five seconds before he makes the pass. He's, which is why he's good in the sun system. When they had him on their team, they could just give it to him to score. The warriors are a little, a little more like passing oriented. He didn't look great when he was playing that. Right. So I think we're kind of in agreement that out of the trades that we've seen, the Cavs one might be the best. I would say, yes, that would be the best one so far. But even then, I still would think about keeping Simmons. I'd have to – obviously, I'm not there to talk to Simmons, but I'd have to see his mindset, see if he's willing to change. I, especially, like, regular season, if you're up by 20 points in a regular season game, why doesn't he just take a three? Like, it, that, it, it doesn't – it's not even a close game. It's a regular season game. You're, it doesn't matter what happens. The thing I would is, have to talk to him to see if I wanted to trade him or not, you know? The fans would literally not care at all if he missed or even airballed. They just wanted to shoot it. Yeah, it was, I, I would be happy if he went 0 for 5 from 3 in a game. It was the same thing with Markel Fultz. And it's kind of unbelievable how we had two number one overall picks and they just refused to shoot the basketball. Yeah, that one, that one hurts even more because every single – Celtics game that I watched and my dad walks in, he says, why didn't the Sixers take Tatum at number one instead of Fultz? Because he said that before the draft, and now every single time talk about the Sixers, he says, why isn't Tatum? Imagine the Sixers at Tatum. Imagine that I'm like, you were right. But I, I wanted Fultz from the beginning, and he had the weird shoulder thing, and it just went downhill. I can't really I mean, explain Fultz. I don't really blame the Sixers for that pick because I'm pretty sure that almost every NBA team would have picked Markel Fultz number one overall in that year's draft. Yeah, and it, it fit their team perfectly as well. Like, he he should have been the scoring guard to cover for Simmons not scoring, and he just stopped knowing how to play basketball, basically. Yep. And it, I, it was just very unlucky for the Sixers because that was a home run of a pick because it was a both best pick available and filling a need at the same time and it just I don't know how that one just didn't work out for them yeah neither do I so we've talked about Damian Lillard a little bit first of all do you believe that he actually wants out of Portland uh I don't think I feel like he's too loyal to give up like right now, if other things go poorly, I could see him wanting out of Portland. I mean, also for him, I feel like he'll probably be in Portland. They just hired the coach he wanted, so that could help him out. Well, but 
also I don't know I, how that's going to work out for them though. That was weird hire. I saw this report that said that um, Lillard did not know about Chauncey Billups' incident. And then after he learned about it, he did not want him to be the head coach. Yeah. So that the whole incident thing, because it was kind of obviously accidentally a bad look from Dame that he wanted Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups, who both have bad past. And he's, yeah, he didn't know about that, but. It, it wasn't a great look, um, but I don't know how, like Chauncey Bills is also kind of a weird hire for me. I don't know, maybe it'll work out for them and Damon will want to stay, but I could easily see that just him wanting out very easily in that. Well, I'm, one, I'm actually shocked that someone with an incident like Chauncey Billups could get hired this, like right now. I'm like, feel like that there'll be so much backlash against that. Um, but also, like, wasn't he up for, like, a GM position a couple years ago? Yeah, I think he – wasn't he up for something with, with the Cavs maybe or And, something? like, they agreed to it, and then he backed out the day after or something like that. It's like you don't even yeah. know what he really wants to do. Does he want a coach or does he want to be in the front office? Yeah, the other thing with him is he's really not a very experienced coach at all. I think he has, like what, – what was it, like one year of being he's, an assistant somewhere? He's on the Clippers assistant – like on the on their coaching staff, is that right? I yeah, I thought I saw that he only had like one year of experience, which I think you said on the last episode with Sam Cassell. I would have. I'm surprised I haven't heard his name in a lot of. I, the oh, Wizards really assistant. want him. Okay, yeah. Well, that may, he's been an assistant for like ten some years or something, and he seems like he would be a good coach, and I feel like players would like him as well. He, I mean, he should be the coach of the Sixers right now, in my opinion. They would never do that, but like just fire Doc after this year after getting the one seed. But I've also had enough of Doc with all his blown leads and his in his history. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was like listening last week. I, I, I agreed with that one right off the bat. Well, I like it's hard to fire somebody after they get the one seed, but you could see the Raptors did it when Casey won coach of the year. Right. And then they hired Nick nurse off their own staff and won the championship next year. Yep. So clearly there, it, There's just precedent. because, just because you are uh, like uh, a good coach doesn't mean you're the best coach for the job. Cause Nick nurse obviously proved that he is more qualified than Casey, even though he was coach of the year. Yeah, so I, I do think Sam Cassell is going to go to the Wizards, which is tough. I know my friend, uh, Aiden, he's a Wizards fan, and he wants Sam Cassell. So, I mean, that seems to be the direction that they want to go in. Um, but if Dame did want out, what do you think it would take to get him? Because I would honestly trade anything but Embiid to get Dame. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, it depends on – I feel like the Sixers have to have one of the most competitive offers out there. With I don't know. Simmons as the centerpiece is already better than most teams are going to even offer. And then you'll also have – you can be able to throw in Maxi, who's shown promise. I'm sure a lot of people like him around the league. And then Seibel is obviously one-of-a-kind defender. I feel like their offer has to be one of the most competitive. Obviously, they won't have – the picks if I mean if the Blazers are looking for 
or rebuild, they wouldn't really have the picks for that, so they might go elsewhere for that. But but honestly, Maxi and Thibault could be better than picks. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like it depends on how the Blazers evaluate Maxi and Thibault, and even if the Sixers take someone in this draft, see if they are sold on him, you know, like anything like that. See, I, I love Maxi, but I feel like if we were going to go in for a package for Dame, he would be the one to get rid of besides Matisse because if you have Dame and you have Seth, they're going to be playing over 30 minutes a game. So Maxi's minutes are going to be limited anyway. And you're going to need Matisse's defense if Ben's going to leave. So I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, I think no, Maxi's I did, good, but get rid of them for Dame. I did this on the ESPN trade machine and it was just Ben, Matisse, and Maxi. I couldn't figure out how to trade picks. But just those three for Dame, they had it as success. Which I feel like it would take more than that. Yeah, I feel like they would have to be some they, form of picks on it too. I but. would trade, I would offer Ben, Maxi, and two first-round picks and see if they accept it. Yeah, I mean, it really – it depends on how much Dame wants out any of the other – I mean, sure, Dame will have a lot of offers for him, but I feel like Simmons is about as good of a young star as that you're going to get offered in a trade, you know. Like, the Celtics aren't going to give up Tatum. The Jazz aren't going to give up Mitchell probably. Like, in terms of young – potential all-stars they're not going to be traded very often and Simmons is probably the only one that would be willing to be traded right now right and I so I think we would definitely have the strongest package if we put it out there I'm I feel like the Heat think that they are getting every single player under the sun because I so they think they're going to get him but I don't know who they would have to really offer they seem to be like kind of gutted with trade assets like they don't really have any young young talent that they would be kind of you know wanted across the league because Tyler Hero's stock maybe dipped more than Ben Simmons stock this year yeah Hero I was never sold on him as a rookie obviously can score but I I thought he was always overrated I mean he's, he's not horrible but I like the rumors with him being the hardened trade I'm like I would never even think about a trade with the Heat if the best thing they're offering me is Tyler Hero and picks. When you have Simmons on the table, if I don't know how the Harden trade went down, but the fact that people were even talking about Hero being traded for Harden was just disgraceful. Well, well didn't the Heat um, say Hero was off limits? Yeah, that was one of the reports was that they weren't willing to trade Hero in a trade for James Harden, who is like a top player like a top offensive player of all time and you're an instant contender if he's on your team and they were saying no Tyler Hero is too good which was I don't I don't even know if that report's true because it just sounds so ridiculous that the Heat are that out of touch with their players I don't know if you saw this meme I thought it was very funny but it said like how the Heat view Tyler Hero and it was a picture of Larry Bird and then it said how the rest of the NBA views Tyler Hero and it was a picture of Tyler Hero yeah, it's like he's he had the great playoffs and but it's he's not something that you have as a centerpiece of a franchise. He's more he's not even like a top yeah. three guy on your team really. He's more of a role player. 
And I feel like the Sixers would have traded Ben for Harden, which honestly, I didn't, I would have given Ben straight up for Harden. I didn't really want to give up a lot of other pieces, but I think the Rockets wanted like way more from the Sixers than just Ben. Yeah, if they were looking for for Maxi and Thibel, I still, I mean, we're talking about it now with Dame. Before the season, obviously, everybody was higher on Simmons. But even then, I've, James Harden is unreal. Like, he is maybe top five offensive player, like, ever in terms of his assists and just scoring efficiency. And pairing with an Embiid would be perfect pairing. So for me, I think I would have tried anything to get James Harden, but I also think the Rockets were pretty stubborn and not wanting to give him to, to Maury. I agree with that. I do. And I think back then I was definitely more high on Ben, like just still defending him, because now I'm just looking for a very good trade offer. Um, because I, I thought he was going to take a big step this year, but obviously that did not happen. And he says, Ben does, that, so Ben is not playing the Olympics. I don't know if you saw that. He took his name I out of, of the running for Team Australia to work on his individual basketball skills. Uh, I mean, I guess that's good for the Sixers. I don't know. I kind of would have liked to see him maybe try and lead a team by, like, and be the guy and just be aggressive and see if he could do that. But he probably would not have tried to be aggressive for Australia. Yeah, if he was being aggressive, I would have loved – to see him play, but I feel like it was it's like too soon. I feel like he needs a full offseason to just reset. I feel like coming off of that playoff run, he's it's hard to be lower than that mentally for him. So I feel like he just almost need a break to reset himself. So I wasn't mad he's taking off to the Olympics. I it would have been nice to see him play and go out and be aggressive, but I don't think it would have helped him. I could have even hurt him more if he got more media attention for not being aggressive, which I really don't think he would have been aggressive because I feel like he still would have been coming off of that low from the playoffs and still would have been in the mindset of, I don't want to be aggressive. Yeah, I would probably agree with you. I, I just think it's fun to watch, you know, Sixers players in the Olympics if possible too, but we'll have other Matisse might make team Australia. Um, Furkan is playing on team Turkey right now in their qualifying tournament. So we'll have some other, options i guess to go watch him play um so you have any other sixers ideas besides ben i know we spent a lot of this time on him yeah that the thing with the sixers is their future is pretty much in ben simmons's hands they don't really have many other options salary cap wise uh, there's things with a lowry sign in trade but even that i feel like would probably include simmons somehow with to make all the cap issues work because they're they're like bottom three in cap room uh you pretty much just have to resign like try for danny green they have the bird rights on him Pre you're pretty much your future is almost at ben simmons hands at this point because you're pretty much locked up with all your other main contracts and everything you're not going to trade and bead harris you it, harris would be a lateral trade at best uh, it just feels like the next five years are just is Ben Simmons going to bring it together for the six years or are they just going to immediately get rid of him? And hopefully, honestly, I would hope they keep him when he brings it together. And I don't necessarily believe he will, but 
I feel like that would be the best ending to the six-year story, but I don't know if that's likely. I honestly feel like we can't decide what moves for, for like any free agency that we want to make. Cause what we're going to do for free agency, is just going to be small bench pieces, if anything, um, and trying to resign Danny green, which we probably should do hopefully for a little bit cheaper than what we paid him this year. But like, you gotta, I guess, decide what you want to do with Ben first, if you're going to trade him or you're going to keep him, And then you go about and try and, you know, fill out your roster after that. So, I mean, everything, like you said, it does depend on Ben. It depends whether or not we're trading him or if we're keeping him and what Ben's going to make out of it. So, other than that, I don't really – I shared my thoughts on, like, the individual players last week, but I don't really know, like, who we should go get for options. Yeah, one one thing I I was – I thought the Sixers should have explored more is just Shake Milton in general. I feel like – he fits what they need. He's obviously inconsistent. I just felt like Doc had a little bit too short of a leash on him, I guess, in, especially in the regular season. And also, even in the playoffs, just watching him, he could have done a pick and roll with Dwight Howard a lot of times. as Because as a bench unit, they're not great at creating their own shot. And they had that pick and roll open a lot, and it worked like two plays in a row and they never went back to it the rest of the series. It was like game. I don't even know what game it was. It wasn't the game that shake even had his best game. It was another game where they had two straight pick and rolls alley-oop and like a layup and they just never went back to it. And I just feel like shake Milton could have been some of the answers to their problems. He can create his own shot and nobody else on the bench really can Maxi can a little bit, but shake feels more of like a creative own shot than Maxi. Yeah, so last I used to be on a some of my friends be at a Sixers podcast, and I used to like really not like Shake Millett. I thought that he was very overhyped. Um, I thought that everyone who loved him, like I just thought he wasn't a ball handler. He would crack under the pressure. Then he kind of proved me wrong last year. He started playing pretty well. Um, so I admitted I was wrong, but then he was kind of proving me right this year with some of the stuff. He seemed to just kind of get in his own head and went really cold um, for a big stretch of time and then had that one hot quarter in the playoffs. But I agree with you. There was too short of a leash with him because he can go and create his own shot. I think going forward, if we kind of stay with this current roster, you can play Shake and Maxi together because it seemed like Doc was going one or the other. Like they both deserve to play probably because they both can go create their own shot. And I also think that we can mix the two of them in with other starters when Ben's on the floor because either of them can go get their own shot. And then you also have a better defender in Ben. And then but if you go with the all-bench lineups, with, which Doc seems to like, you can go Maxi, Shake, Matisse, whoever is going to be our four guy and whoever is going to be our backup center. Like, I don't know, are we – is Furcon coming back? I don't know his contract situation. Do we even want Furcon back? If he does, because I, I think Furkan gets a lot of hate, honestly, a little bit too much. If he's not, you can tell if he's not on right away. And he's a very defensive liability against some teams. But he does have some some moments where he can really show something. Yeah, I agree with that. And part of the thing was in, in this series with the Hawks was you could tell when Furk's off. So put in, put in shade because they're both 
not great defensively. So it's not like you're keeping Furk on for his defense. So you might as well split their time a little bit more than rather than playing Shake zero minutes one game and then more in the other games. And I think Shake and Maxi would be great like backcourt pairing off the bench because it's kind of like a, a like a scoring duo just off the bench. You know, you don't really care as much about defense. Just a little spark plug. Both of them are good sparks if you need one. And I don't think Doc took advantage of that very well. I would completely agree with you. I think Doc definitely got out coached uh, in in the playoffs. But so if Furkan comes back, the way I see it, I don't know if he can play the four really. I don't think he, he can, but he might not even be in my second rotation. Say we have the same starting lineup because um, I would go with Maxi, Shake, and Matisse off the bench, and then we need two bigger guys unless we really go small and have Furkan as the four. Yeah, I feel like Ferk would probably be more the odd man out here. I feel like I would still definitely want him on the team. He can come in as a spark, maybe just test him out for a little bit, like a few minutes a game. Like I feel like him and and all of their bench guys are good in limited roles. Like you don't need to have just one bench lineup with them, I feel like, because it depends on who's hot and who's cold off the bench for them. Right. I would say the one guy that the Sixers seem to go out and get as a bench piece is like a PJ Tucker type of guy who's just like total grit, like will do the dirty work and actually like show some toughness because this team was pretty soft throughout the whole playoff run and honestly the whole the whole season. So I think we need someone like that. And I don't know who it would be. I don't know who's available. And there's not many guys like that out there anymore that's that tough and can really fire a team up defensively but I think the Sixers desperately need someone like that yeah they definitely have a pretty big hole as in terms of like a bench like four and five I mean if they resign Dwight that's all right I I like Dwight he wasn't great in the playoffs but I mean it's hard you're pretty much going to have a negative plus minus if you're the replacement for Embiid because you just know he's the best player on the floor but I don't know. He also, he's a lot of stupid fouls. But I, even him, he's a good vet. I'd, I'd like him back on the team. But then you still have the glaring hole at like a four spot. And that's where you'd want to go get like a, just a gritty guy, go and play defense, make sure his matchup's not going off from the bench, you know. That's the guy Mike Scott was supposed to be, I think. Until yeah, Mike, Mike Scott was a kind of a letdown. I had higher hopes for him as just a you know a decent backup, but he turned into basically nothing. Mike Scott's athletic ability total totally dissipated this year. I think ever since yeah, he, got... he he just looks slow and just not not up to the level that he even when he first came on the team he was solid. He is very much aggressive. It looks like it took him so much energy just to run. Like, it seems like he has to take five steps to gear up to run down the court. Yeah, he's, I mean, I don't know if he's, like, when his contract expires or anything. He pretty much is going to be, I, he might not even be in the league soon at this point. I feel like he's just, he's not, like, he was a good player, and he's just not, not it for the Sixers especially. Right, point. so he's a... He was a culture guy. He was there for the team chemistry, which is important, as we know. But I think he, his time with the Sixers is up. 
Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's all the thoughts that I really have on the Sixers. Is there anything else that you want to add? Because I do want to talk about the Phillies just for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with uh, the Sixers talk for now. I feel like we had a lot of topics. I, I agree. It was a good discussion. So the Phillies, you said you've been following a little bit lately, but not too, too closely. Unfortunately for me, I have been following them closely all season long, and it's extremely frustrating because I feel like they should be winning more games because they have such they have guys who are so talented. Then they have other guys on the team that are just complete dog shit. So they're like a bunch of stars surrounded by a minor league team. But they also are so stress-inducing because they can't find a normal way to lose. They seem to blow a game and find a different way to blow that game every single time, or they get blown out. It's never like go down by two runs and lose like six to four while losing the whole time. Yeah, I would agree with the stress inducing and like they find it's almost like they they find ways to lose. And it's I'll be watching the game and I'm like, I was watching at my cousin's house the other day and he was like, oh, Phillies are up 2-1. I still give them like a 10% chance of winning this game. It's the bottom nine, they're up, they're up by one. And he immediately comes in, error for uh, Hoskins. And it's they walk in a run. It's Hector is like 11 for 17 on save opportunities, which is that's pretty pretty tough to to be that bad as a closer to start. And it's they just find ways to lose. It's almost like everybody everybody knows it too. Is the other funny thing. It's like I'll give him a like a 30% chance to win this one when they're up by like two in the seventh inning or something, you know? Yeah. So, oh, as we are talking about this though, Bryce Harper just mashed a home run to deep center field, like off the brick wall in center field, almost hit it on the Aspen alley. Well, here, the thing is, they still have a very strong chance of losing the game because you never know what the fills. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually tied the game up 444 feet on that home run to dead center. And that also continues his streak, probably one of the reasons why we're losing. And he, his RBI numbers are very low because no one gets on base before him. He has every home run he's hit this year has been a solo shot. And he's like nearing some sort of record for having as many solo shots to like start a year without any multi-home run game. Or like not multi-home run game, but like multiple oh, RBI he, home run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's MLB in general. I feel like I've been, I was kind of more paid attention when I was younger, and now just the batting average in general are just significantly lower because the Phillies' number one average, I think, is Harper with like 267 or something like that, which is incredibly low. Oh, no. Um, Gene, Seg well, Gene Segura well, might yeah. not qualify because he's been hurt, but he has been hitting very, very well. And JT has a decent average, I believe. But also, a great example of this is Reese Hoskins. Last night, I saw he was batting 222. I don't know if this was before or after he hit his home run in the game. And Reese has come under a lot of flack. I'm a, I'm a Reese guy. I've been supporting him because I, he, showed, he has power. After I mean, when he came up, he was unbelievable. But defensively, he stinks. I know that. Him and Alec Bohm have the two worst defensive run saved metrics in all of baseball. So that's obviously not good for your two corner infielders. 
but that with him batting 222, they showed this on the screen yesterday. Um, compared to first baseman in the National League, he ranks first in extra base hits, first in doubles, second in home runs, second in RBI, third in multi-hit games, and fifth in hits, and he's batting 222. Yeah, that's like the that's what, like the MLB in general has been very low averages, and that also hurts the Phillies even more with the fact that they have bad defense. Is if people are already hitting low averages, you got to make sure you're you're keeping it like good defensively, so that you're not letting in the small amount of runners that are already like getting in. You know, well, well, the defense is unbelievable. I mean, that's that's my point when I'm saying that they're finding ways to lose in like a different way every time because it's a different type of error like they're doing stuff that we used to do back in rec baseball and it's just like they're messing up bohm's dropping little loopers that go right to his glove they can't throw to first base when it's wide open they can't catch i mean it's completely just all over the place they really don't know how to play defense and i thought the worst thing i, I mean this is still probably is the worst thing but you remember last year when they lost the game, um, it was like second and third. Um, we're up by one, two outs in the ninth. Pop up in the middle of the infield. And I think it was Segura just called everyone off and ran over the mound and tripped over the mound and the ball fell and we lost. Like yeah, that's still the worst we've seen. Crazy. Stuff kind of like that, just to a lesser extreme that they're doing almost on a daily basis. Yeah, it's. Like it was Hoskins the other day. It was like the first, first batter of the bottom of the ninth, and they have him positioned perfectly. He's standing on the line, basically right at him, hits him in the glove. And your first batter, if you're a closer, you just can't. You don't want to walk him, and then you can't let him on with an error. And you pretty much knew it was going to go downhill from there because the first play being an error is it's tough for a closer to get four outs when especially he's 11 for 16 already going into that game. You know, it's already tough for him to get three. Don't want to make him get four. Well, Hector is no longer the closer. I I agree with you that the defense makes it so much harder because our defense has been abysmal, but Alvarado is now the closer um, according to Girardi. And I don't know if I really agree with that, but the Phillies have blown 25 saves this year which is four shy of their franchise record in a single season. And we are not at the all-star break yet. So I'm pretty sure we're going to break that record. But like last night, Alvarado threw a wild pitch, a runner scored because of that. And then that was, he got one out in the eighth into the ninth, two run shot. It's four to three. Now, thankfully we won that game, but they were blowing games over the weekend like that. I mean, it's just, the other day, we were up 4-2. to two. And now this is Girardi's fault. It wasn't really a save, I don't think. But so I for, even forget the guy's name. He hadn't pitched in the major leagues since 2017. This is his first game pitching in four years in the majors. What does Girardi do? Put him in with runners on base over up by two late in a ball game. He ends up giving up a grand slam at 6-4. And then all of a sudden, it's 12-4. I mean, how stupid can you possibly be as a manager to do that? Yeah, it's it's tough on a manager because all the options aren't looking great. But I feel like at this point, why even 
name a closer and just try to go with whoever's hot in that. You know, I, I mean, it's tough to do as a manager because you're not have, getting consistency from your guys, but I feel like even having a specific closer at this point is almost worthless because you might as well just be trying to play matchups, trying to play like smaller things like that. Cause you, it's obviously been a problem that one guy is not going to step in and be an automatic closer for you, you know? Well, that's the thing. For some reason, he thought that he liked the matchup with this guy. So that's why he put him in with bases with runners on base and obviously didn't work well. But I think Girardi's made some very poor decisions in games this year, which apparently he was supposed to be really good out with the Yankees. I was all excited when we got him as a manager, but he has not done well at all this year. But nevertheless, like, I don't want to talk too much on the Phillies since this is mainly a Sixers-centered episode. But, I mean, we're still we're five games back in the division to the Mets, which is, at this point in the season, it's just still within reach, even though we have a very poor record. But, like, they went to New York for a four-game series, and they were winning going into the final inning in each game, and they split the series. Like, we, we would have been one game back if we had won all those games instead of five games back. So that's a big difference. Could come down to haunt us. But as of right now, in my opinion, if we don't gain ground by the trade deadline, I want to sell some, some people. Like I want to trade them because I don't think we're in any position to buy. And I don't really know what's the point of just staying put. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you're, we're complaining and have zero confidence about them, but they're still only five games back. So I would agree that, I mean, just because you're five games back, doesn't mean you're a good team. Doesn't mean you need to be a buyer because it doesn't mean you're going to do something in the playoffs if you make them necessarily, right. you know? And like, so I like wanted... you got to find the balance of, do I really want to go all in and be a buyer or just like be like, ah, probably not going to go all the way in the playoffs here. And as we're doing this again, Nick Maton just had a triple. So we are, up three to one now so maybe we are a good luck charm for them i don't know but it's still the second inning so we have a lot of time to blow it um, <laughs> a lot of time but also like if we get to the trade deadline we're five games back like I, what's the point of keeping mccutcheon on the team for the rest of the year because contracts up like i i think that we should probably resign oduble um since he's been playing decent and we literally only have one outfield spot locked up for next year which is Bryce Harper. But if they, it seems like it's something the Phillies aren't going to do. So what's the point of keeping Oduble for the rest of the year if that's going to be the case? Like to me, I would try and trade those people because I'm selling McCutcheon has been playing that well. But like I'm sure someone could use an Andrew McCutcheon presence going into a playoff run. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they're feeling in the at the deadline see how many games back they are i mean even with like anything can happen with the phillies what makes them very interesting because they've obviously shown they can be a winning team but they have a tendency to blow it at the end so if you find a way to keep that down they they'd be a winning team but i don't know they have they're very very intriguing team they are oh so this is not really about the players or the team right now perhaps but I heard this on Mike Bissonelli's show yesterday. He claims that he brought this up when we were moving into Citizens Bank Park, and he w- says we should still do it now. 
he believes that we should change the team's colors and that we should change the team name because the team name and its colors are only associated with failure for 140 years, let alone from two eras. And for one of those eras, we didn't even wear these colors that we wore right now because we did change them. So he is saying that we should change our name from Phillies and change our colors. He didn't suggest into what. Although someone said that he had um, mentioned some sort of silver before. Like, I don't, what do you have to say about that? Because like, to me, they're just never going to change the name Phillies that they've had for 140 years. Yeah, I don't see any reason why you'd want to change your whole branding. I, the Phillies are a pretty solidly, uh, like a solidly in place brand. Like they're not, they're old, like they're not going to change much. You know, it's not going to be well received, I don't think. I would definitely stick with Phillies. I, even my friend from California who you met, Sean, he goes, oh, yeah, I like the, the Phillies name. It's kind of funny. Like, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, it's just, it rolls off the tongue. It's, I like their name. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'd never really thought about it, but I don't see why you would want to change from the Philadelphia Phillies with the, I, their colors are, are good. Like, they, they kind of match with, they I mean, match they, with the Sixers at least too, with the the like blue and reddish kind of. They match the. City. I don't see why. Yeah, it would make it would not make sense to change them. Like honestly, I mean, the Eagles and the Flyers, their colors don't make sense for the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, that. But I really wouldn't see because Philadelphia is such an established sports city that you don't need to rebrand pretty much ever. Everybody's right. going to be a fan of the Eagles, no matter what color they are it's only going to be a negative reaction at that point because it's been so ingrained in Philadelphia culture for so long. Now they have changed the colors before and they did win with that because Mikey Miz was saying how back when we were going to Citizens Bank Park, he couldn't believe that we changed our colors back to red and had the Phillies wording across the, the jersey because they had never won with that. And as we know that they did end up winning the World Series in 08, but he was going off into one of his rants, as he does. But uh, I think, I mean, it was just, I wanted to see what you had to say about that, because I thought it was kind of funny that he seemed, like, so offended that we just wouldn't change the colors or the team name. Yeah, and I feel like if you ask anyone and say, what do you associate Phillies and the red and white with, they would not be, like, failure. That's right. Like, he said, it's, just, it's not associated with failure, as he's saying. It's kind of... It, it's just their it's just their brand i would not really make any massive changes to their branding yeah and now we are up four to one oduble herrera sack fly kid just makes things happen <laughs> um so that's my thing with oduble i just say he like he loves to make things happen it's not necessarily a hit all the time but something's going to happen when he's up um but i'm actually supposed to go to the game tomorrow I, it's going to be like a torrential downpour so i don't know if I'm going to end up going there or not. But that's a wait and see type of thing. Um, that's all I have right now. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we finish up? Uh, no, yeah, just thanks for having me. It was good to have a nice long chat, especially about the future of the Sixers and uh, see what they're going to do. As I, It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. And it's quite an honor to be the first, you know, ever guest on this this show um it's a new thing hopefully i'm going to try and you know cycle through 
some different guests, but I thought you were the perfect person to have for this type of episode because I can see some of our other friends that are Sixers fans being a little too hot in the head um, in their, you know, discussions with Ben Simmons, kind of just being very emotional and not thinking through things. And then some of my friends at school, they don't even care about the Sixers. So I thought you were the perfect choice. Thank you. I would, I'd love to be back again if it time calls for, if you need another guest, then I'm, I'd yeah, be down to do it again. I'm hoping to do like an episode per week. And then, you know, I might not do as many Sixers episodes going in the near future, just because, you know, it's going to be mainly the Phillies for a while, but absolutely. You are welcome back anytime that you want to come. We had a very, very good show. I think, and hopefully as the show, you know, progresses, the number of viewers will progress as well. But anyone that's listening right now, thank you for tuning in. Um, I know you don't have to, but thank you for taking, taking the time. So for my guest, Brett Gallagher, I'm your host, Billy Bruno, and this has been the second episode of the Philly Fundamentals podcast. <laughs>